Welcome to the HMO Property Podcast, where we connect, educate, and inspire the UK's HMO property community. So stop what you're doing, sit back, relax, and enjoy the story. What's up, HMO Nation, and welcome to another episode of the HMO Property Podcast with me, Rupert Wallace, in association with hmohub.co.uk. In this episode, we're interviewing successful HMO property investor, Annabelle Brewer. Now, Annabelle's going to take us on her HMO property investment journey, including the ups, the downs, the highs, and the lows. Now, Annabelle's been investing in HMOs for about 18 months now. She's completed and fully refurbed six HMO projects. She has one in refurb at the moment and a further two in legals. She currently houses 30 tenants in just one location. So let's jump straight in. Annabelle, welcome to the show. Hi there. Good to have you with us. Thank you for having me. It's very, very nice to be invited on. I'm a pleasure to be here. Before we get started on your HMO journey, Annabelle, tell us about your background all the way up until that point that you start investing in HMO property. Okay, yeah, no problem. Um, so I started my career in the corporate world. So I was on a graduate training scheme with John Lewis. Um, and then I quickly moved into the sales arena um, and for all my sins got involved with uh, IT recruitment uh, in, in the city and uh, was in that sales type of role for, for five or six years. Um, and then after that, I w- got involved with some training and develop, selling training and development solutions. And then I realized about 12 years ago that I no longer wanted to work for somebody else and make somebody else some money. And I decided that I wanted to go off on my own and have a complete career change. So I went to Spain and qualified as a personal trainer. Oh, brilliant. Um, And I was a personal trainer for about three years before I then decided to set up my own gym. So I I worked out of Fitness First in central London for three years. And then again, I wanted to then uh, stop making money for Fitness First and start making money for myself. So I found a commercial um, property uh, just near uh, Temple, uh, near the law courts. And um, which is where I got my first sort of flavor of uh, commercial developments. So I uh, agreed a lease, a 10 year lease, and uh, it was a complete shell. And I created a f- personal training a fitness studio in that space, which was 2000 square foot. Um, and I moved all my clients over for fitness first. So originally how did, I was just- uh, How did fitness first like that? Uh, well, given that they're a massive organisation, I, I I I don't think I made too much of a, an impact on their on their bottom line. But uh, it was it was nice to know that um, I built a great sort of client base, and they were very happy just to walk an extra five minutes down the road and and come to to my my own place, which was which was fantastic. So very rewarding um, setting up your uh, your own thing from scratch. Um, I got it to a stage where I had a team of about 25 personal trainers, all self-employed, all renting space from me. Um, and I increased the footprint of my gym by an extra thousand square foot. 
Um, so it was 3,000 square foot. And I ran that for about another three, three years. Um, and then just when my lease was coming to an end, sort of two, three years on the lease, I'd had two children by that stage. Um, and I decided that I no longer kind of wanted to be involved in the day to day running of a small business by myself. Uh, I thought I'd taken that that project and that that business to as uh, kind of uh, a level to where it needed to be in order to sell it on. Um, in central London, also finding another kind of premises similar to that is very very difficult. So you are very limited in terms of getting scale. Uh, you're very much reliant on trying to find uh, an affordable uh, premises. So at that point, through my network, um, I was made a really good offer to buy me out of my business, um, and I took that offer. And that was about three years ago, three, four years ago. Um, and that that business has gone on to be um, even more successful um, with, with another guy, another one man band who, who took it over from me. So um, great learning experience um, setting up a business from scratch. Um, definitely realized that I could never go and work for somebody else again. Um, find it hugely rewarding doing building, creating something for myself. Obviously, there's lots of highs and lows. Um, but I then sort of took my learnings from uh, property um, from that experience and uh, stumbled across uh, an advert um, about learning to invest in property the right way. Um, and I went along to that uh, two year, uh, two, two hour seminar. We'll um, come on to that. Don't you worry. We'll come okay. on to that. We so will where, get there. So where, so where I am, so how, how I kind of, uh, after, after I sold that business, um, I was sort of uh, looking about looking at other startups that I might be able to get involved with, use my experience uh, and help other other entrepreneurs. So I I, I did um, I did a couple of contracts for uh, some, some startups, um, and then I actually got involved with a packaging startup um, with a business partner who I met online um, at a, an entrepreneur's um, uh, website. And we now still have we, we still have sort of the skeletons of that startup running in the background um, in alliance with um, some large printers in this company in this country. Um, so that's sort of still running uh, in a very sort of small small degree. Um, but he is running that. I'm I'm now 100 percent 24 hours a day in property. Got it from John Lewis to <laughs> Spain to <laughs> Temple in London, probably. Yeah. You know. An incredible part of London, if if people haven't been there. Yes. Um, to packaging and now to HMOs. <laughs> How did you get into the world of HMO property investing? Well, um, my I first got involved when I was at university because my parents have always been interested in investing in property. And um, when I moved out of my halls of residence, uh, my parents had been talking to various estate agents in the area um, up in Leeds. And they decided that because the numbers were so great that they would um, buy their first investment property up there. Um, and I found the agent and I with the help of my parents and the help of me and the various contacts, we turned it into an HMO um, for me and my four friends to, to live in. And we lived in that for two, three years. And they went on to buying a couple of other properties that were also HMOs. So that was back 20 odd years ago. Um, so I understood that the, obviously the HMO model works very well. Um, and then I stumbled upon this um, advert in the Metro for um, learning how to be a professional property investor, which I went along to. And then I decided that in order to uh, create a, a business out of property investing, I should um, invest in my property education. 
Um, so I, I joined Legacy Education and one of the modules on that was HMO. So I did the HMO module and found my investment area, doing the uh, putting into play everything that I've learned through that education um, and given the financial freedom figure which I needed to, to achieve, um, HMOs is the, uh, the best place to start because of you get great cash flow. So it kind of made sense to me to start, start with HMOs. Um, and, uh, and, and here I am now, so I, and now I have a portfolio of HMOs. Brilliant. Um, does that answer there, your question? <laughs> it does answer the question, yeah. Yes. Uh, I mean, a lot of people stumble into HMOs from various avenues, but I mean, you have such a, uh, obviously an entrepreneurial spark <laughs> and when you see something that um, that appears to be fabulous and then you qualify it by doing the education, no wonder, no wonder you continued with it. Yeah, absolutely. It's um, it, it made it made perfect sense to me. I mean, the way we're taught you, you when you're starting up your first investment portfolio, your, your property portfolio, you usually best to start with your little baby buy to lets, then your multi lets and then your HMOs. Um, but because of the um, financial freedom figure that, that I needed, um, uh, the cash flow for uh, buy to lets was uh, was nowhere near what I needed it to be. Um, in order to, to to achieve that in a, as quickly as possible to replace the the salary obviously that I um, uh, gave up when I sold my fitness business and my packaging etc so HMOs made the most sense to me but I wouldn't have got into HMOs had I not done the education got the training been be part of a network of people um, because HMOs as you know is extremely complex huge amounts of legislation um, and people can get caught out by not following the correct process um, and putting the correct processes in place and obviously working with the right people um, so that you remain compliant and uh, as a landlord um, and try and obviously eliminate the possibilities of making any mistakes because they can be very expensive mistakes if you're if you're uh, caught by the you know the county for, for not for not doing things correctly so so yeah was there anything holding you back, Annabelle, from getting into HMOs? Um, so I, I definitely say, um, like all property investors, the limiting factor is always the investment that you've got available. Um, so I had a small amount of money that I um, had from selling my business. Um, so I knew I had that to start getting my first deposit. Um, but really, that for me was a huge hurdle because I knew I basically needed to go out and raise money. So again, through the education that I, that I uh, with Legacy Education, they taught me how to go out and raise money. So um, I, I, I've been out there networking, talking to my friends, my family, putting finance documents together and, uh, and making sure that obviously I'm raising the money at the same time as I'm buying the HMOs because HMOs is a, a heavy investment upfront because uh, the, the HMOs I'm buying, the refurb is 90,000. So every time I'm refurbing, that's what I have to find. Um, so I'm always on the, under that pressure that, oh, you know, uh, got to keep my pipeline of investors coming in so that I can continue to get scale. So again, it's following the processes, the HMO process and the raising funds process in order to marry the two together. Got it. Annabelle, tell us about your very first HMO property deal. So that was July last year, um, and I actually did two at the same time. So it was father and son who lived opposite each other, 
and um, an investor I met through my network. Uh, for whatever reason, it wasn't the right time for him to actually um, take these two projects on. So thankfully, they, they came to me. So uh, a, a bit of luck as well. Um, and they were in Coventry um, near the university for per purely for students. So uh, and um, they were I'll tell you about one of the one of the two, but it's essentially they were identical. Um, and do you want to know the purchase price and all that yeah, kind of thing? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Give so, us the nitty-gritty. Okay, the purchase price was a hundred and forty-five thousand. Um, I put a seventy-five percent loan-to-value mortgage on that, um, and then I basically then it's a two-bed buy-to-let and. The, the business model is turning into a five double ensuite HMO. So we, it's a fully back to brick renovation um, in order to be able to get the two extra rooms in the loft. Um, so we have to drop the floors to get the extra headspace, put dormer windows in, etc. So we're going fully back to brick and then just creating something absolutely brand new um, from scratch. So um, 145,000 was the purchase price, 90,000 was the refurb. Um, it's a 12-week refurb, working with an HMO specialist um, in the area, um, Red Bricks Construction, um, and they are also property investors. So, uh, given that they were aware that I was a, a new property investor, they kind of held my hand through the process, which was really great. So, I have them helping me. I have my uh, Legacy uh, Ed Alliance Education helping me, um, and so it was quite stressful because obviously it's a lot of money. Um, but I felt like I was learning a lot at the same time um, and alleviating the mistakes by working with great people. So 90,000 in, um, they set me up, they recommended the letting agent that I should use. Um, and so they came to have a look at the property and um, I, they, they, took, they, they said they were happy to use the photos that they already had from one of their other similar builds. Um, and so they managed to get me a tenant pretty much straight away um five, the five students they they signed signed the agreement off plan which was fantastic um so they actually then moved in in the september um so three months after the build started which was which was amazing um the va the value went up to two hundred and eighty thousand. um so i'm leaving about 30 30 40 000 in the deal um, but the cash flow is I'm, I'm getting two thousand six hundred pounds a month in rent. Um, the ROI is about thirty thirty two percent. So I expect to get all my money out in in two years, um, oh, which which is fantastic. So and I did that times two. So where uh, with the mother and son properties, Great. similar so figures. So that's your first deal. You've made fifty grand's worth of equity in each one of those. So yep. hundred grand's worth of equity, and you're probably netting over a thousand pounds a month net cash flow I would imagine after any lending costs on yep. each one about 1300 to be specific to, to no, be precise we're yes. happy we're happy with specific <laughs> if it's going up for sure yes absolutely 1300 bucks a month for each property mm -hmm. um, they sound like pretty uh, pretty good deals for you especially for your first one yeah, thank you. Yes, I, I, I was really, really pleased. So I did, I, I followed again everything that I've learned, looked at all my comparables, talked to as many people as I could, other investors in the area. Um, and uh, I mean, obviously, when you're first starting, there's, there's an element of risk. 
um, because you haven't done it before. Um, but it was a calculated risk from my perspective. And the numbers literally married up with all the comparables that I had in the area. Um, so um, which was it was it was great. It was it, it was nice to know that what I was doing um, uh, was was basically coming 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 to a, a great result. So um, I'm, I'm, I was very happy, very happy. I'm sure you were. Yes. Um, Annabelle, next up, we've got a question for you about how HMO investing has actually changed your life since you started. Um, it has changed my life because I've become a bit obsessive with it. <laughs> so I really just, I enjoy um, finding new opportunities. I enjoy working with the people that I've found within my network, within my power team. Um, I find it hugely challenging, but hugely rewarding. So it's changed my life in terms of the, obviously the, ca the monthly cash flow that it gives me. Um, it's given me uh, more choice. Um, I will continue to invest in HMOs because of what it gives me. Um, obviously, there are pitfalls. Um, there are highs and lows. Um, but it's, it's definitely given me um, a huge sense of sort of purpose and satisfaction. Um, and, and, it's, and it's challenging at the same time. So it kind of, you know, brings, brings together all kinds of different skills which you need as an entrepreneur and a property investor. Um, so uh, which is what I enjoy. Sounds pretty life changing to me. Very definitely, very definitely. Next up, Annabelle, what's your favourite part of HMO property investing? Um, definitely the, firstly, the people that I work with, so my power team, and secondly, uh, creating, um, uh, well, the, the expression we use is a beautiful swan from an ugly duckling. You know, the properties that I'm buying are very, you know, they're just very normal, bog standard, two bed by to lets. A lot of the people that I'm buying them off have, you know, lived in the properties their entire lives, have not done any refurbishments on them, no decoration. So obviously the photos that, that I take at the start are, you know, pretty hideous um, or, you know, let me say, not necessary to the taste I would have gone with. Um, and then you're, I'm, I'm creating something that's really what I think is beautiful. Um, all the furniture is, is um, handmade. Um, from re reconstituted scaffolding, for example, um, and so uh, and uh, and I work with a designer because I'm quite creative. I did a creative-based degree, so I like you know the interiors and making something look really beautiful um, and something that I'm proud of and something that I would be happy to move and live in myself. Um, so so yeah, it gives me a huge amount of satisfaction. Brilliant, love it. Yeah. Good to hear some passion. Yeah. Uh, in uh, in your voice. Definitely, definitely. Annabelle, we talked about your past. Before we move on to your present and your future plans in HMO property, let's take a minute to thank our sponsors. Are you looking for an effortless HMO mortgage experience? If that's a yes, there's only one place to go, www.thehmomortgagebroker.co.uk, the UK's number one specialist HMO mortgage broker. They're so specialized that they don't do anything else. HMO mortgages, HMO remortgages, and HMO bridging. That's it. They have access to every HMO lender out there and even some exclusive products not available to other brokers. With lightning fast service and A1 communication, they're easily the best HMO broker in town. So to experience HMO lending made easy, go to www.thehmomortgagebroker.co.uk today. Annabelle, fast forwarding to the current day, Go into a bit more detail about your HMO portfolio. 
Okay, so currently to date, I have um, six fully functioning uh, HMOs, which all of which I did the same thing. They were two bed by to lets. Um, I took them all back to brick. I've created five double on suites in each of them. Um, they're all within about 200, 300 meter walk of each other. Um, I've used the same build team. All my power team's been exactly the same. So it's very much a sort of a cookie cutter approach. Um, and they're all, all the tenants, they've all moved in for the next academic year. They're all very happy. Um, so I've got six fully functioning. Um, I've got two, um, by, two bed by that I've just recently completed on last week. Um, and I am starting the demolition as we speak of both of them, um, which will be another 12 week build. Um, I've already got my letting agent on the case with getting um, getting students lined up for uh, the following academic year. Some entry, some students come in January, um, but the majority of them come in the September. So if um, if I don't get the students in the interim, um, I will do corporate let just to fill in that kind of time between now and, and the next academic year. So that's those two. And then I've got another one which I will be completing on in the next couple of months, which is, again, exactly the same thing. Two bed, two bed uh, terrace house, which I'll be converting to five double on suites, taking fully back to brick. The other thing I also haven't mentioned is that during that process of, uh, of building my network and, and investing in, in these kind of HMOs, I've also um, set up with uh, another two investors um, and we bought um, a property, a larger property in the Nuneaton area um, as a large, uh, it was a semi-detached house um, and we have converted that into a eight bed um, HMO. Um, and we've actually rented that to um, a care provider who provide uh, homes for children in care, 14 to 17 year old children. So we finished that project, which was again, it wasn't fully back to brick because the house was already the right dimensions. The rooms were always the, all, already the right size. The layout, the floor plan was 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 right for what that care provider wanted. Um, but it's um, a different usage. So it was C2, C2 use um, for care. So I learned a lot through that process. Um, other things that are needed for that kind of HMO, um, different, um, just additional things that need to be put in there, um, such as disabled facilities, wider doorways, um, uh, soundproofing, all of that kind of thing. Di just different, just to make it compliant with them. Um, it's with a slightly head. different kettle of fish. It's slightly very different. similar. But... Yes, but 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 not 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 quite as straightforward as the the student by um, HMOs that I've got. But again. Great learning experience. We've got them in there for the next 10 years on a fully insured and repairing lease. Um, we're housing, you know, vulnerable children, which is great. Um, so it's love. It's great to be able to do another different type of HMO in a different area, in a different sort of uh, for a different sector of, of, of people. Um, and so the numbers on that uh, we bought for 250. Um, 60 grand refurb and uh, we just had a commercial valuation on it for 560 um, based on obviously the rental um, so you know we're very we're very happy with that and the care provider wants to go and find some more so I'll be continuing my HMO journey um, with them over the next sort of 18 months as well they want another four or five properties in a similar space um, so so that's kind of that that's what my HMO property portfolio is to date great tell us about your single best one out of your portfolio what's your best HMO investment today and it doesn't have to be for the number um so 
let me think about it. I would say probably the one that I've literally just finished. I had the photographer round last week um, and it's the nearest one to the university. So the students have already moved in. Um, it's for, I kind of, I, I found it, uh, when I purchased it, I didn't realize it's actually as big as it is. So um, we managed to slightly reconfigure the rooms in a slightly different way um, so that we can get an extra um, sort of bathroom out the back. It's a very long building. Um, and we managed to, the, the rooms are just a little bit bigger than, than all my others. Um, I got it for a pretty good purchase price, even though it's right next to university. Um, I haven't gone through the refinance process of it yet, but I would expect it to be hopefully two, 285 would be great. Um, and the reason why I like it so much is because the dimensions, it, I got way more than I was expecting, um, but also the interior, um, we've gone for slightly different look and feel to it. So we've put um, wooden cladding um, on the walls as a feature wall in, in the living room, um, which just is kind of really modern and the kind of uh, urban, um, urban look is very in at the moment. So, um, I've gone with the same kind of scaffolding um, handmade furniture, but we've just added a few extra features. The lighting that we've used, I've just kind of stumbled upon um, some things that I just think are really beautiful. Um, and I'm really excited about the, the end finish of it. So they, it's just got, we just managed to put a few extra bits and pieces into it that we didn't, we haven't been able to put into the other properties. So interior wise, I think it just looks really sharp. So I think it's taken me project six to kind of yeah. what i think really nail it as i i don't think i could have bettered that one so i'm really proud of that one good 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 well we'll have to do a feature on that one on uh, on hmo hub yes so i can up, send you some pictures that would be brilliant next up annabelle tell us about one significant mistake that you've made in your hmo business that by sharing you might help others avoid Yes. Okay. So my biggest mistake was not um, on one of my refurbs. I didn't um, do the because I'm uh, because my investment area is in the Midlands and I live in London. Um, some of the time when when my builders are starting the refurbs, they they kind of start before me, me being able to knock on the neighbor's door, go hi, here's my name, um, this is my name, this is what I'm doing. Uh, just want to make you aware that there is going to be some noise and just kind of building the relationship with the neighbors um, because obviously they've got 12 weeks of noise and um, disruption and, and all the rest of it. So my biggest mistake was, and it was a bit unlucky as well, I just didn't get that opportunity to build rapport with one of my neighbors. Um, and also I didn't get an opportunity to take some photos of what was there beforehand. Um, and she basically throughout the whole project has been a total nightmare. Like she's put a little camera outside her, her living room window. Um, and anytime there's any element of noise or the, the builder has left a tool outside her house or um, there's been rubbish um, that's been put on the skip, even though it's nothing to do with us. We have problems with fly tipping there. And, and, and she's just made the whole thing really, really difficult. Um, and so it, it's been quite a stressful, quite a painful process. And it's been it's been difficult for me because she's been phoning me up left, right and center. She's been giving the builder is a hard time um she's she's just been very unreasonable um and so you know we've had we've had delays because she's called the council for this that and the other um and so i've kind of 
She's been spreading rumours about me being an unpleasant individual to various neighbours, um, which is which is again just really unfortunate, and has kind of made me feel you know quite sad um, because I, I like to you know get get on with my neighbours because you know we want to be ha have a harmonious experience. So the biggest, the, yeah, my biggest regret is not following my process and just saying to my builder breakdown in communication with a builder as well that just before we start the the, the development um and, and and the demolition process i need you know a week um or maybe two weeks just to build that rapport with them um because it is a people business um and you know they they're under the impression that you know i'm some big wig london investor blah 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 um, you know, and, and only when you're face to face with people building those relationships, do you kind of break down those perceptions. Um, so so that that for me is is my biggest learn, because you've got to, you've got to get on with people. Um, and it's the only way, you know, people work with you and, and you get build those relationships. No, um, absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, you're not you're not alone in that. And it is it's a big people game. So uh, and that's that's the way you have to approach it. And yeah, and, and, and the moment that you kind of, um, you know, you, you don't keep your eye on the ball with, with these kind of details, um, that's when they, you know, problems come up and, and, and sting you. Um, you know, it, it, it's just very, very silly. It didn't need to, it didn't need to happen. Um, but, you know, I've, I've learned my mistake and you know, every time now I will always knock on both sides of the property, make sure, you know, go and have a cup of tea, take a box of biscuits, et cetera, et cetera, and build that rapport. Um, so that that's my biggest um, advice to, to people is you, you've got to get on with the people around you. Otherwise, you, your, your life's going to be hard work, stressful, painful and all the rest of it. Biscuits. Great idea. Biscuits. Yes, biscuits. <laughs> Annabelle, next up, tell us about your HMO portfolio plans for the next 12 months yeah so um i i think what I'm, I'm currently in the process of looking for a new investment area um to start um experimenting with other strategies i want to do a bit more uh, on the commercial side so um some like like my care home i would like to kind of do, do a bit more of that I'm, I'm very passionate about the sort of the the, the care sector so i'd like to to do more that do that more and I'm, I've built quite a lot of contacts within the care space um, so providing more uh, larger HMOs for that kind of uh, that that space um, and, and and looking more into sort of commercial developments commercial to residential stuff um, and finding an, a, another sort of HMO investment area um, that works well for me based on geography based on the numbers um, so looking for sort of other uh, student areas um, so I'm, I'm just doing, going through my sort of research, research process at the moment because I think, you know, nine, ten HMOs in one area is probably uh, enough for me right now. Um, and, uh, you know, di diversification is really important that we're, we're always taught within property investing. So it's kind of branching out and, and, and getting some HMOs elsewhere is going to be kind of my next sort of two to five year plan. Um, and then, you know, I'm looking at um, somewhere down the line, maybe um, analysing um, some HMO um, portfolios, because um, obviously lots and lots of landlords are ditching a lot of their portfolios right now um, with all the changes in regulations, etc. So um, a lot of my contacts have said they haven't seen so many portfolios coming onto the market ever before. 
Um, so, you know, analyzing those kind of things and seeing if I can find an HMO portfolio which might work for me. So just building, building more, getting more properties, getting more cash flow um, and, and, you know, helping, helping um, young start people who are starting, well, not necessarily young, young, old, new property investors, happy to sort of help as well because I get a huge buzz out of helping other people on their journey. Great. I hope that answers your question. Of course, yeah, absolutely. Uh, it sounds like it's going to be a good 12 months for you. <laughs> indeed, indeed. It's uh, always learning, always building, always developing myself. Yes. Annabelle, two questions now. Mm -hmm. um, what advice would you give any current HMO investors given the market conditions? Yeah. And also, what advice would you give any people who are looking to get into HMO property for the very first time? Um, so my advice to anyone looking to getting into HMOs for the very first time is make sure you, and, and it's kind of similar to um, the, the, the other property investors are looking at sort of starting in HMOs as well. It's very much know your area, learn your area, make sure there is demand, qualified demand for for that particular strategy in that kind of area. So um, very, very important. Secondly is make sure the numbers work. So whatever you've decided your acceptable return on investment is, whether it's 20%, 25%, 30%, make sure that you've done the figures, you know them inside out, you've got your comparables um, so that you don't want to leave anything to chance. So the numbers have to work. Um, and the third thing is make sure you work with fantastic people. You, you, are, you are only as good as the team around you. So you have to work with the right power team. Um, you, can't do it, you can't do it on your own. You, you can't be an island in the property world. You have to be part of a community. Um, so yeah, so that those are the three most important things. Know your strategy, know your area, know your figures, and, um, and, and build a great power team. Great. Annabelle, before we sign off, we'd like you to recommend one great HMO resource or business book, then let HMO Nation know how they can connect with you and then we'll say goodbye. Um, that's a very, yeah, that's a very difficult question. I, I do tend to read quite a lot more sort of self-development books. Um, what I, I can recommend that the book that has changed my life, which got me into property investing, not necessarily HMO investing, but property investing is um, is the Rich Dad, Rich Dad book. Um, and, Rich Dad, uh, Poor Dad. Yeah, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. That book changed my life. I read it and I went, well, this is, you know, property is for me. Um, so and then through my journey of learning, I then got into HMOs. Um, so. I would say that that book was the life changing, you know, the light bulb moment for me, the rich dad, poor dad book. Um, so, so yeah, that, that's the book I would, I would recommend. Great. And how about if HMO Nation want to connect with you, how can they do that? Um, they can connect with me through all the numerous amount of uh, chains, communication chains that we have these days. So uh, email, um, text message, phone number, very welcome to call me and I'd be happy to you know, work with them, answer any questions. I'm Do all, you have I, a website? I don't have a website yet. I haven't quite got onto that yet. Uh, it, 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 it's in my plan for the next 12 to 18 months. I'm not very good with, uh, with, that, with that element. I've, I've got to find a web designer first. Okay, Annabelle. Thanks for sharing your journey. We salute you. Let's get an HMO high five. 
thank you very much, Rupert. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for your time. All right. Look forward to seeing you soon. Thanks, Definitely. Annabelle. Bye now. Thanks for joining us. If you've enjoyed this and want more informational, educational and inspirational HMO property content, then please hit the subscribe button and give us a like. See you next time.